Good morning. Let's stand up and sing everyone on in. Let's be standing, please. I'm in the way, the bright and shining way. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. Telling the world that Jesus saves today. Yes, I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way groweth clearer for. I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land. One more time. There we go. Good morning, White's Ferry Road. It is a beautiful, glorious day that the Lord has made for us to be here. We're so glad that you chose to be here. Come on in and find a seat. And uh, we got a lot going on this morning, so we're going to jump right on into it. We are very, very busy with a lot happening. And uh, so we're going to have some guys walking down the aisle with some bulletins. So if you need uh, need one, didn't pick one up. Uh, wave at them, and they'll, they'll bring you a, a bulletin. A few things we want to highlight that are in there uh, or may not be in there. Um, and I think we have them on some PowerPoint slides. One, here's your heads up. Next Sunday, the 11th, is Mother's Day. So if you haven't, uh, hadn't thought about that, you got a week. There's your one-week one week warning. And to honor our moms has been our tradition for a long time here. We're going to have breakfast for you. It's going to be muffins for moms. Uh, next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in the Fellowship Center. And uh, as a special treat, we have a, uh, our high school boys have a, a man card class going on, and they're going to be our servers next week. So you're going to be honored by your sons and grandsons uh, next week, and they're going to be serving you. Uh, also, we have a Heart Moms meeting Monday the 12th at 6.30 at Joe Neal Kirby's house. Uh, so if you are a Heart Mom... Monday the 12th at 6.30 at Joe Neal's uh, house. Also, our third annual uh, White Trail Men's Golf Tournament will be May 31st at the Black Bear uh, Golf Course at, in Delhi. Sign up today. You can see Dennis Davenport, who uh, most of you know over here with sings on our worship team, or Greg, I'm going to butcher it, Greg, Butchkowski. Did I get it right? All right. That's just a fun name to say, I tell you. Greg Butchkowski for more information. I may say something important. Thank you. So uh, if you're interested in the golf tournament, please uh, uh, check with those guys. Also, a 5K mission run uh, will be Saturday the 31st at 7.30. So if you're not a golfer, you can go run. If you're a runner, go run. Don't go play golf. Whatever. You make your choice there. A lot going on. See the checkered flag table in the foyer or go to the church website for more information and sign up for that. It'll be a great, great thing. Today, if you are a parent of, the, uh, of a child that went to LTC, today when the kids are released to Bible Hour, uh, they're doing the LTC Awards in the Fellowship Center to, uh, today. There will be no explorers because of that today. So if uh, go over there if you're a parent of that for uh, the awards thing as well. We're going to have a prayer. 
uh, and especially uh, we're going to mention uh, Carter Owen. Uh, a lot of you have been following uh, little Carter, uh, and his, uh, he's been down in New Orleans uh, for a long time now, and that's um, uh, John David and Allison's uh, son, and he's having surgery Thursday, and so we're going to say a special prayer for him. So um, uh, if you would... Um, Go with me in the Lord in prayer. Remember them, especially Tuesday. And I know David and Janice and, uh, and Jeff and Sissy are really concerned about this. So if you would, uh, if you're around uh, David and Janice or, or Jeff and Sissy, just kind of put your hands on them and gather around them as we go to our Father in prayer. Father, we thank you so much uh, for the privilege of, of just laying these things before you. And we're not informing you of anything you don't know. Uh, and we're not... Uh, asking you to do anything you're not already planning to do. But, Father, from our perspective down here, this is a, an act of faith, saying that we trust and we rely on you. So, in a special way, we pray for healing uh, for little Carter. He's such a warrior and has battled so much uh, this, these last number of weeks since he's been here on planet Earth. And I, I pray for healing. I pray that everything goes well with the surgery so that everything can be back to normal or be normal for him. I know that John, David, and Allison are just terribly frightened and concerned and, and probably tired and overwhelmed with, with everything, just young, young parents. And, um, and I pray for, for peace and uh, a release of the anxiety and also for John David, excuse me, for, for David and uh, for Janice and for Jeff and Sissy as well, uh, just grandparents that, uh, that really want to see uh, great things happen. So be with them as they all... Um, are concerned and, and, and want the best in this situation. We love you. We thank you for hearing us. As we head into our time this morning, our family time, I pray that our singing is an inspiration for us and, and a, a, an awesome fragrance of worship to you and that our, our sermon, our communion time, everything we do here together as a body, even our responses, honors you and uplifts your holy name. It's through that name that, uh, that we love so much and we claim as your children that we pray. Amen. Now we ask that Bell and Joshua Tonages bring your family on down and we're going to have ourselves a blessing. We ask our elders to come on down as well. family and forever family here. Absolutely. Well, it's, uh, it's a blessing for us to be able to uh, have this time together uh, that we do as family. And uh, I was thinking about you guys just in the uh, sort of odyssey uh, that God has brought you guys here. I still remember the first time I met Linda uh, in a house church many years ago. God brought you guys, them here first. Now you guys are here. 
Uh, God's done a tremendous work for both of you, and I just want to commend you for that, uh, for your hard work, for your marriage, and for your life, and for your family. All that has prepared you for these tight moments. Uh, and today we have a, a double blessing. The only thing better than one blessing is two, uh, because we have Bell and we have Joshua uh, that we're going to have a blessing for. And I uh, just want to charge you guys another one on the way. And so uh, we have a very special prayer and blessing on you guys as a family and also uh, to present you with this uh, word of God uh, to instill in their hearts and their lives. So uh, we love you guys and want to have prayer for you this morning. Father, we are very uh, blessed indeed to have so many families that you bring our way uh, from so many different parts of this world and so many walks in life. And, uh, you know, the Hammets first uh, coming here, and I remember praying for them uh, years before we met them, uh, when they were in Africa. Uh, now they're a part of our forever family here. Uh, and now, Father, to have Sean and Heather here you know, raising their family up to be, uh, to be like you and to, to walk in your ways. What a blessing uh, that we have for this family. Uh, I pray that you will continue to be with them, especially these two little ones, uh, and of course uh, the other two as well uh, along the way. Just pray, Father, that you will bless this entire family uh, to be more like you every single day. And I pray, Father, for Sean and Heather that they will continue to have a strong marriage, a strong uh, work ethic in their heart and lives, and that always, Father, their goal will be not only to get to heaven, but also to raise their children to do the same. Thank you for the blessing we have of your word. We thank you so much for this family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May blessings be upon you, precious baby. May favor rest upon your family. May he bless you in your coming. May he bless you. 
way to start off the day, isn't it? The Lord has already blessed us with growth and love. Let's be standing. My life's in you, my strength's in you, my hope's in you. Give thanks to the Lord. Thanks to the Lord. 
gets glory, God gets all the glory. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. Before the world was made, before you spoke it to be, you were the king of
Pride is one of our biggest problems. So we'll always have to keep reminding ourselves time and time again, no matter how many great things God does just through this church and folks here, that we're just ordinary people with a bunch of mess-ups, and yet by the grace of God, He does something great for the kingdom. So we'll always get encouragement from one another, but we'll always give glory and give honor to God. This next song, uh, this may be new to you. We'll sing through it a few times. You'll pick up on it real, real easy, okay? Simply glory and honor. Worthy is the Lamb. Well, 
I know. 
Let's pray before we take of the Lord's Supper. Father, just so grateful for uh, this family we have here, Father. For the common uh, belief, the common work, Father, that we have in you and it's through your Son, Father, that uh, allows us to be able to come to you and, and ask and petition and, and just... Uh, be grateful, Father, that uh, we have you to uh, go before. Father, thank you now for this time that we have to take of the Lord's Supper. Thank you, for Father, for Jesus coming to this earth and dying for us, his body broken on the cross. And as we take of this bread, Father, we just uh, look at ourselves, look at our lives, Father, and uh, how we can be better. To be able to live a better life, Father, with the example that he set before us. Father, we just ask your blessings continually as we go through each day and as we take this supper, Father. Thank you again for the blessings and the gift of your son. And Jesus, thank you so much in Christ's name. Amen.
Father, as we take uh, this fruit of the vine, Father, we just thank you so much for the blood that was shed. The amount of sins, Father, in each one of our lives. Uh, to know that we're cleansed each and every day. And to be able to uh, live a life uh, and be able to go before you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for this blood. Thank you for the life that was lived. And thank you for the, the life that was set an example for ours, Father. Be with us now as we take this fruit of the vine. In Christ's name, amen.
Father, we ask as um, we go throughout our life that we're a, our servants to one another, Father. And this time as we're pausing to uh, give back uh, what you've blessed us with, Father, help us to be generous, not only uh, here, Father, but uh, each and every day in our, in our homes with all that we have, Father, because you've given it all for us. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Lord, for loving me, and thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole and saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let us all with one accord sing praises to Christ the Lord. Let us all unite in song to praise Him all day long. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. shoulder and say, are you ready? Because he could remember things and I didn't. But we have a lot of people shut away, not just in a, in a building, but in our minds. We have children who are in deep need, close to death. We have a young man just married and very serious, very serious. And then we just have everyday emergencies like the rest of the world, don't we? So we take this collection up each month just for our personal folks who are faithful members. And uh, I want you to know that uh, those who work with it do all they can to make sure that those who really need it get it and those who are 
drop by as it may be done. They'll use the wisdom they can. And what we're saying, we want to help everybody, but God expects wisdom out of us. Now, one verse in the, in the Old Testament, and we'll ask you to make another contribution. <clears throat> God rewards those who lend to the poor. I like that. I like every bit. Now, I mean, it, you've been such a great thing because I asked you a couple, three months ago, would, would everybody just try, everybody just try to put in a little something? I mean, sometimes the young people don't have anything but a quarter. Or a quarter to a teenager sometimes can be like $50 to us. Right, so this is the opportunity we're going to take and uh, ask for your help. And if you see David standing behind me, it indicates that all of us need help in case I fall backwards. <laughs> Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you so much for the love of this church, for really the only way that you can finally end up deciding who God's people are. It's certainly by their love of your word, but by their love of each other. One of the best working churches in the Bible is Ephesus. And yet the Lord said that they left their first love talking about each other. And they would fall from grace if they didn't turn around. So love each other. Learn how to show it even if you're shy. And be generous. We ask this, Father, through Jesus, with the help of the Spirit your glory. Amen.
All right, let's stand back up, sing everybody on in, and we'll get going again. Let's be standing, please. Let's stand. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant, Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and storm, still we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare the way. Holy comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet calls to lift your voice, it's here unto believe, and now the science is salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh, and these are the days of your servant, David rebuilding temple of praise and these are the days of the harvest the fields are as wide in your world and we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord behold he comes riding on the clouds shining like the sun at the trumpet calls to lift your voice to hear our jubilee There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold. bad habits that Alan got me into, but he was working on that. Just wanted you to know. 
Uh, and I appreciate his notes in it because when he wrote a joke in there, he had it highlighted. Kill it, laugh here. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to be on target. I know he is. And uh, no, it is a great, great honor. You know, one of the things I love about Whitesbury Road is that we're a team. And whether it's preaching or whether it's doing other works of ministry or whether it's, uh, whether it's celebrate recovery or whatever, there's just a, a great team spirit. And, and it really is an honor. I, I appreciate Trent's study so much. And, and just how he's grown in the Lord, and it's it's a great it's a great uh, uh, honor to to partner uh, with uh, such a good strong young man. And so I do appreciate that, Trent. Glad you're here with he us, brother. You left out smart, handsome, yeah. and funny. I didn't see that in the notes, brother. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start a new series this morning, and uh, as we get into our new series, before we do, I want to recognize a couple that has had an impact on my life and has impacted the lives of lots of people here. And I'm a marriage guy just by, uh, through study, and I know how difficult marriage is and can be. And so when, marriage, when marriages hit 30, 50, and even 60 years, that's a huge accomplishment. And so at this time, I want to recognize Bill and Margaret Smith for 60 years of marriage. Amen to that. Susan, there's hope. <laughs> they, they did our premarital counseling. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying that. We've got great folks to follow. So, You know, this, uh, this series that uh, uh, Trent was talking about, this, it's, the title is Converge, you know, when, when the extra meets ordinary. There are certain things that, uh, that happen sometimes when just an ordinary situation, something extra happens, and all of a sudden, you know, things take place. Uh, I was reading a story about man named Jason Padgett. He was attacked by muggers outside a club in Washington a decade ago, a decade ago and he, he thought he was going to die. You know, they, they beat him so bad and, and uh, uh, had such, uh, such head injuries simply just to steal his leather jacket, by the way. But uh, miraculously, not only did he survive, but when he came out, he, he all of a sudden mysteriously had this mathematical gift. You may have seen this on the news. But, uh, he could all of a sudden do geometry and the most difficult other kinds of math. Instantly in his head, he started seeing all these drawings. He started writing them down. And all, whatever happened, somehow or another, the injury on his brain clicked in a place that he became instantly a math genius. Just an ordinary day, the guy was a college dropout and hadn't you know, really ever taken any kind of math. And all of a sudden, now he's saying, I can't even go to when I dream. I dream of math. And I see drawings and I see angles, and, and then he draws all these things out and he has all these equations. Another kind of similar type situation was a young man named Tony uh, Sicoria. And Tony was stopped at a payphone to use, and during a storm, lightning struck, came through the phone, phone struck him in the head. After, uh, after he was, uh, got out of the hospital and was healed, he started hearing all these piano pieces in his mind. He'd never been a musician, never knew how to read music, bought a piano and instantly was playing great pieces uh, 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 of piano work and writing great songs. 
and was able to do it ever since that. An ordinary situation all of a sudden converges with some kind of strange thing and boom, extraordinary thing happens. But I'll tell you something, there's, there's a greater thing going on than those kinds of isolated incidents. It's when you, an ordinary person, all of a sudden converge with the gospel and meet, then extraordinary things start taking place. After uh, studying for this sermon, I wondered if I should start carrying around a lightning rod and wearing a leather jacket there you go. in hopes of all of a sudden getting a miraculous ability to be humorous all at once. <laughs> You'd be praying about my ability to discern whether or not that's something I should be doing. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 2. I'm always interested in how ordinary people doing really seemingly ordinary things can have an extraordinary amount of joy an extraordinary amount of peace, a sense of purpose, something just that makes you feel existentially fully, fully alive in your everyday lives. So Mike and I kind of began reading through the book of Acts, and we, we found some very interesting things. I'm going to read here from the book of Acts, chapter 2. I'm going to read the first three verses. Read with me here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So all of a sudden these guys are here, this great time of, of religious celebration. And this, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And this... What was going to be an ordinary, in some ways, religious holiday becomes a very, very powerful Pentecost. God used ordinary men standing there gathered up for this. And through the Holy Spirit made this celebration something that they would never forget. It would never be like any other normal, ordinary Pentecost that they had ever celebrated before. This was going to be something very, very powerful when these ordinary men are filled with this extraordinary spirit of God. And boy, the great things start to happen from there. The spirit was poured out on this particular group of believers at Pentecost. And these were guys who were just coming, doing something they would have ordinarily done at any year, on any year at this particular point in time in the year. I think it's easy as Christians to read through Scripture and look at stories like this and assume, well, yeah, that was nice for those guys then, but what about for me right here and right now? And lots of us really are looking for our lightning bolt moment where our lives become electrifyingly extraordinary. A lot of us really are looking for that battle or brawl in the Walmart parking lot to have the sense that we've really fought the championship rounds in the UFC heavyweight division. But what if living an extraordinary life is much simpler than that? What if all you have to do is converge with the spirit of the living God? What if all you have to do is yield your will and your life over to the Lord God and let him direct and lead your life? I think the point here is not that we need to be looking for something miraculous in our Christian faith. I think we really need to be looking for something that's right in front of our noses. For the spirit that the Lord Jesus Christ sent to us on Pentecost, fulfilling his promise that he would send a helper and a comforter. 
I think it's important to recognize that the Spirit did not die in Acts chapter 2. And some of us live our lives as though the Spirit still does not have lordship right here on this earth. We assume that our problems are things we've got to handle, our goals are things that we have to achieve, and maybe the exact opposite is true. So if the Spirit is still at work and provided for all of us right here today, then the question is, how can I get the Spirit to really flow through me, making even my most ordinary, menial, trivial tasks make me feel fully alive? And we see here in the book of Acts, in the second chapter, that the way the Spirit does something extraordinary is through an extraordinary sermon. It's just simply called the Gospel. We have emphasized it here time and time again, and will continue to do so. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the first importance. It is the life-changing story of how Jesus Christ died for our sins, was raised from the dead for us. Went back to heaven to help us in life, one day coming again. That good news, that sermon that was preached in Acts chapter 2 is the same sermon that we preach today. The power that accompanied that sermon is the same power that accompanies today. The power to change people's hearts back then that caused thousands to obey, that same power is still here today through the thing called the gospel. In Acts chapter 2, he said, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Verse 32, God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Church family, the gospel is still powerful. And at this church, we know the truth. That unless the gospel is involved, no heart truly changes. Let me say it like this. The gospel can change any heart, and no heart truly changes without it. In sales, there's this idea of a personality ethic versus a character ethic. And for a long time in sales, people have studied what sort of a personality you need to portray in that moment you're trying to make the sale such that you can close the deal. But what researchers found is that they were neglecting the much deeper, much more important issue at hand, which was the character of the salesman himself. And I think the same principle is true about the gospel. We can teach this happiness psychology. We can teach how to get fit and diet right and dress in the right clothes and drive the right car and live in the right area and go to the right schools. But if we never deal with the core issue of life, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and integrate it into our lives, then we're really just changing in the moment. And so at this church, we put all importance on the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15.3, the Apostle Paul says, What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And so it's necessary in our lives to keep the gospel first and to live as though it's powerful to change those around us and to change us. You know, one of the the great uh, uh, tragedies within our own history is that we didn't understand that. 
and that as a result, we raised every, everything from worship style to how we sing to when we meet and, and what we do and what order we do them in, all to the same level as the gospel. And then therefore, when you raise everything else to that level, then you split over every little thing that someone disagrees with you about. And so that's, that's just not how the Bible is written. The Bible has a center of gravity, and it's on the greatest command, and it's on the greatest message of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why it's first importance. Everything else, we're not going to elevate anything else up to first importance equal to the gospel. It's just not going to happen. And that gospel not only is it powerful, it's preachable. Now, I'm not talking about preachable from just from Trent and I standing up here and shouting it out. It's preachable like that, too. I'm talking about in how you live your life. When the gospel is the center of everything you do, all of a sudden, uh, every place you go becomes a place to preach. Because when you love people and you teach people, all of a sudden, they see your life change. And, and they want to know why your story changed. Why aren't you running out to the bars like you used to? Why aren't you using the language you used to? And all of a sudden, an opportunity to share the gospel takes place. And you're, with your life and with your Bible and, and with your story, you share how this good news of Jesus changed your life. It's preachable, and we always want to preach it and share it in the spirit of the greatest command. So whatever happens, people need a Savior, and God chose all of us, just regular, ordinary folks, to change the world by sharing this good news of Jesus. Think about the day of Pentecost. Two ordinary guys, Peter and John, walk up with some of their friends, and they're facing a crowd of hundreds and then thousands eventually. And they start to speak about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is it good news? Because it didn't matter where those people were coming from that day. It didn't matter what they had done the night before. It didn't matter whether they had uh, extensional uh, training in the law and in the Torah, or whether or not they had doctorate degrees or were politicians. It didn't matter who they were. The truth was that Jesus of Nazareth loved them. And that he came to this earth and lived a perfect life and died so that their sins could be forgiven. And was risen on the third day and sits now at the right hand of the Father so that he can make intercession between them and God. And he poured out bountifully of his Holy Spirit so that their day-to-day -day lives could be incredible, could be extraordinary. And I think in our lives we get, we get to the cubicle in the office. And we start clicking the mouse, and our mind starts to go numb. And then we feel the weight of the reality of our situation on our shoulders. Do we not? Another day at the office. Another six hours to go before I finally get home. But then what are you going to do when you get home? You're going to start clicking the remote. Or you're going to start clicking the buttons on the microwave, fixing your hungry man, if, if you're doing anything like I was doing when I was in college. But doesn't there have to be more to life than that? And the truth is that the enemy in our culture would like you to believe that that's the extent of the joy you're going to feel down here. And so this is the mood that's permeated Christianity in American culture, that there really is nothing more to life than the click of a mouse or the surf of a television screen. But what if your whole life, what if every moment of your life could be incredible? And that's the secret to what Peter and John found at Pentecost, that if their lives are the vehicle through which the Spirit preaches the greatest sermon ever, to the people in the surrounding area that desperately need to connect to a Savior that loves them, then even in suffering, then even in trial, then even in persecution and sickness and famine, 
They could have incredible joy and incredible peace. They could sing in prison. They could spend every moment of a shipwreck praising God and trusting God that He was going to deliver them from the present situation. And so that's our challenge to you guys as we're thinking about how extra and ordinary converge in your life. Is that you let the Holy Spirit use you, use your actions and your day-to-day behavior to evangelize the people around you. And church, we have to become fulfilled in knowing that we are making a difference in the lives around us for eternity. There has to be a relinquishment of fulfillment in the things of this life. I'm going to get fired up here if I don't. All right, well, go ahead. Okay. I'll fix it later. Okay. You cover my, you cover me. Okay. (laughs) There has to be a relinquishment of being fulfilled watching TV and eating Snickers bars and Bluebell homemade vanilla ice cream, a concoction that you designed yourself. Now he's getting personal. I wouldn't know anything about that. There's got to be a, a, a reconditioning of your mind to lose being fulfilled in the junk of this life. And you've got to recondition your brain to be fulfilled in knowing that you are evangelizing the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what, church, that's the purpose for which you were created. You're capable of doing that if you'll let the Holy Spirit work through you. You know, and that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. As the, as the Spirit moved these men and as they shared the good news of this great message of the gospel. They, they, they found in sharing that it changed people's, it pricked people's hearts. And so thousands of folks all of a sudden respond to this message. In Acts chapter 2, 37, 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so their hearts were changed. Look, it's not about the response. Baptism is not the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Repentance and baptism is simply our heart response. Once our heart's been pricked by the good news, it's our response to what God has done, is doing, and will do for us. But not only did those folks respond that day and, 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 and 3,000 of them were baptized, they also got that mission that these same guys that preached it had all of a sudden to now go and reproduce the Savior's mission, which he said, I came to what? Seek and save the lost. Now I think about our church family. We have, some, I think, some baptism pictures up. I want you to look at a few of these. Guys, click through there and get us to this... Uh, uh, here's, boy, just recently, uh, the couple from Oregon, I believe this is who this is, and, and that drove down here and heard the gospel and was baptized. And, and, and didn't you love it when he reached over and just grabbed his wife and, and embraced her? They found something new here. And several other pictures, just click through those baptism picture, guys, and uh, uh, just to remind us, look, these are just folks who heard the gospel, and they converged with it, it changed their hearts, they responded to it, and now all of a sudden... Life has changed in an extraordinary way. But you know what? I'm grateful for brothers and sisters right here in this audience because God has used so many of you. I know this. Look, if I find someone and, I, and, and, and they need a Bible study, I, I know this. I can say, Chad Johnson, where are you? And Chad, will be, he'll be right there with his Bible. I said, Jason Sturgis, where are you? I, I met a lady at the back. She wanted to study the Bible. I had another thing going on. I said, find Sturgis. He'll study with you. you know, and there he was sharing the gospel. 
And I think about, you know, we're talking about ordinary people sharing the goodness. And then, and then Trey Fisher, he'll stay with him. And look, they don't come more ordinary than Trey. Amen to that. Amen. But he's ready to share the gospel. He's there with his Bible. He's ready to give the good news out. And because of it, lives are changed. And people are hurled into eternity with a new mission and a, and a new place in this church family to say we're a part of something that's, that's, that's awesome. It's an adventure to be in Christ. I love seeing God use so many of our people here to make change in other people's lives. Church family, it might surprise you to know that you're probably much more ready than you realize to live an extraordinary life. And I don't want you to wait around on your lightning bolt or, heaven forbid, the mugging in the parking lot before you feel like you have the gifts necessary to really start living feeling fully alive. That is the deception of the enemy, that you've got to be up here with a doctorate in theology to be speaking a sermon about Jesus. Or that you've got to be on national television or you got to be an Ironman triathlete or some bodybuilder or some professional athlete. Think about this. God had unlimited resources and unlimited time, and he designed you exactly the way that you are. If God wanted you to be a professional athlete, boom, you would be. If God wanted you to be a preacher, I promise you, you would be. But God wants you to use the giftedness that you have to let His Holy Spirit converge with your everyday, ordinary life and make it extraordinary. What we're going to find over this series is that people in the book of Acts are doing just that. And you know what happens when God uses the, the faults and failures of ordinary men who are just willing to surrender to His leadership? He starts a movement that changes the entire world. So where does this start? What do you need to do? I'd like to emphasize what Mike said, that really this is for everybody everywhere. So it starts today when you leave here in your vehicle. And maybe you start to make amends for the argument that you had with your significant other on the way to church today. Maybe you look at your kids in the face and apologize for drinking too much. Maybe you go home and start picking up and cleaning around the house because you haven't lifted a finger for months. Maybe you go to your co-workers on Monday, humble and gracious that you have a job, and encourage people to be, be peaceful with one another. Maybe you go a little bit above and beyond. Maybe you help your neighbor out with the weeds in their flower bed, or pull over to the side of the road and help somebody fix a flat. I don't know what it is. But I know that if you're watching and if you're confident that your ordinary life can be extraordinary, God will make it so. You know, I was, uh, uh, I'm, you know, I'm all into technology now. I was following on Twitter uh, a, a tweet from Al. So this, I mean, look, if you just knew both of us a few years ago, you would know how funny that is. Right, Al? But he had, he had been to speak. I forget where he went this last week. But there were like, what, 5,000 people there I went and spoke to. And so I just sent him a message back about making the most of every opportunity. He's doing what God calls. He's making the most of every opportunity that comes his way for sharing the gospel. All of us can do that. 
our trench head just every day in the trenches with the people we meet at the store and, and the, the, the folks that deliver our mail and everybody else we just meet along life's way. It's our opportunity to connect. It doesn't matter whether I'm the one that does the Bible study or if I bring them to something, if I expose them to the gospel, somehow or another, everybody's talents and abilities gets used. And the result is people find hope. And we don't want you to leave here today without it. So if you need to get in on this gospel, you need to respond and repent and be baptized. That's the, the invitation is for that. If you just need to say, I, I, want, I want, really want to yield myself for God to use me mightily in the kingdom, greater than he's done, that's okay too. If there's some other need, that's what our invitation is all about. But hope, you find it in the message of Jesus. So if you have a need, would you come while we stand and sing? My only hope is you, Jesus. My only hope is you. From early in the morning till late at night. My only hope is you, my joy. My only 